So in uh, 2013, it was a very challenging year for our family. <clears throat> Ordinary faith had grown, and we were coming up on a decision that had to be made in our family. Um, I was in a pretty comfortable place in life. How many of you guys like to be comfortable? Like be, I was comfortable. And um, so it was a decision. It was, a, it was a, the challenge was: Do we trust God or do we trust His provision? And so we were debating on this step of faith that it was going to take to continue the ministry here at Ordinary Faith and for it to grow. In that time, I stumbled across two books, one about George Mueller and another about Hudson Taylor. And I wish I had time to tell you both of their stories. They're amazing. But just a brief highlight on Hudson Taylor's story and how it impacted uh, our life. Um, I'm getting close. <laughs> so it's possible this will start working in a couple of hours. And that's good because I have a really long sermon, so it shouldn't be a problem. But anyway, <laughs> nervous laughter throughout the place. So in 1856, a young 21-year-old man by the name of Hudson Taylor headed to China to be a missionary. He went with a mission board, and after being on field for about a year, that mission board, mission board went bankrupt, and they could no longer pay him. So he had this decision, should he go back to uh, his home and where it's safe, or should he continue to do what he was called to do? So he chose to stay and trust God. He rubbed people uh, the wrong way in the way that he ministered because he chose, rather than being an Englishman serving in China and, and just looking and being that way, he chose to take on Chinese garb, grew a long ponytail and, uh, like the, the Chinamen did and wore their appearance, and it really rubbed his British counterparts the wrong way. And, um, but his view on ministry was that God will take care of you and God will provide. So after about four years serving in China, he, came down, he got hepatitis and got very, very sick and had to go back to, the, to home to heal, convalesce, get better. While he was there, he translated the Bible into Chinese, and he got an idea. God help us when we get an idea, right? He had an idea for a mission organization that didn't raise funds, but rather it sent out missionaries who would go in faith, trusting God to provide and to protect. Because before that, when, uh, when missionaries went into China, especially into the interior, they would send like soldiers and protection details to keep them safe. But he felt like what God wants to do, he'll pay for and he'll protect. So he wanted to put together a mission team like that, a mission board like that. The China Inland Mission is what it would eventually become. But he was really struggling because this was a huge departure from the thought of the day, from the way people looked at missions during the day. And so as he was trying to get over his sickness, he was offered a, um, a, a getaway, a vacation kind of thing at a beach. And it was there he was praying. And this is what the Lord, this is what he said later in his journal. He said, there on this beach... The Lord conquered my unbelief, and I surrendered myself to God for His service. I told Him that all responsibility as to the issues and consequences must rest with Him, and that as His servant, it was mine to obey and follow Him. Amen. So that was the moment that He decided to do something really stupid. <laughs> to just charge off and say, God's got me. And the China Inland 
mission was formed, by the way, which still exists today under the name of the Overseas Missionary Fellowship, over 150 years ago. A man got a word, an idea from God, and stepped down into it. So that year, 2013, my wife and I were reading those kinds of stories to decide whether or not we were going to trust God or his provision. We call it living by faith where I grew up. And I love my, the best quote ever on living by faith comes from Tim Hickman, who leads CEF here in the state of Wyoming. He says, living by faith is living on the ragged edge of disaster. But it always boils down to that question, do I trust God or do I trust God's provision in my life? And I want you to know that the story of Hudson Taylor, the story of George Mueller and several others have not only encouraged us to take steps of faith but also sustained us when we looked back and realized how stupid we were for taking such a leap of faith when we felt like that. So, what is faith? And that's what we're here to talk about today. What is faith? How do you get faith? How do you get more faith? Because those are the kind of conversations that we hear all the time, right? I need more faith. I need to grow in my faith. And, and so this is a, today we're talking about something we've been blessed with and how that we are blessed with this thing called faith. And what is it? Is faith a, is it a muscle that you work out? Is it a seed that you nurture and it grows? What, what is faith in our life? And so let's, let's think about that concept of what faith is and dive into that. And I want to give you some, some ideas to wrap around faith. Because one of, the things, and the reason ordinary, one of the reasons that ordinary faith exists is because for so many years it would drive me crazy that people would act like faith was just some kind of mystical thing. It, it does drive me nuts. It's all over Hollywood, you know. You just gotta believe. And that's the whiny voice I hear whenever I hear that. <laughs> It just, that is what I hear. You just got to believe. And then I always want to say, in what? You know, a horse, a football player, um, a checkbook, uh, a person. What do, what do you want to believe? What are you talking about when you say you just got to believe? And what we've done in the church is we've made faith like a currency by which we deal with God. Well, if you have enough faith. And there are reasons we feel that way. But I want to look at what faith is. And so let's, let's look at faith this morning, define it, and then ask ourselves how to strengthen it. So let's look at Luke 17. I'm going to read this story that's going to blow your mind. You ready for mind to be blown? All right, I'm going to read your favorite part, and then I'm going to read the part you never heard. You ready? Nothing will mess with your faith like reading the Bible. It will blow your mind. Luke 17, 5. The apostle said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. Pause. Good question, right? Isn't that one we would like the answer to? Isn't it good to know that someone's already asked it and God recorded it so you'd have the answer? So here's the answer. Then the Lord answered, if you have faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree. You guys ever had a mulberry tree? We used to have a mulberry tree, and they are nasty trees, but never mind. That's another story. <laughs> May you be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Now, we like that part, right? Just go ahead and say amen. That's a good part, right? Yeah, man, you got enough faith. Mulberry trees are going to take a hike. There are no trees here, so that doesn't help your faith a lot here, granted. 
but boulders and so forth, it would apply. So that's good. But then sometimes it would fit American theology better if Jesus would just stop. But he doesn't stop. Some of you guys are reading ahead and you're going, oh, it's a trap. He set a trap. So Jesus tells the story to illustrate faith that is going to blow your box up. When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? No. He says, prepare my meal, put on your apron, serve me while I eat, then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. Now, I don't know. <laughs> I got an amen in the back. <laughs> like, woo! This is really good. But as you first look at it, it probably does not fit your paradigm of even who Jesus is. It probably just messed with your understanding of your Lord and Savior because it sounds kind of harsh, right? Go ahead, give me a nod. It sounds a little harsh. You can be honest. No, No, you're too spiritual for that. No, I'm not saying anything. I don't trust that guy. He's setting me up. Well, let's let's use this to define faith for us. First, faith is a gift. Let's begin here. And we're drawing this, everything I'm talking about today, I'm actually drawing straight out of that text. Faith is a gift. The disciples said to who? Show us. Who did they, who did they ask how to, to increase their faith? What was his name? Jesus. So where does faith come from? Jesus. Okay? Faith isn't something you work up, whip up, can build in yourself. It comes from outside of you. Say Amen. Even if you're not listening, just say amen. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Several years ago, I don't have time for stories today, I really don't. But several years ago, I was preaching out of Romans and I misread a verse. And I sometimes I would do that just to be annoying. And I got amens on the way I misread it. And I discovered that half my church didn't listen to me. So it's a very humbling day. <laughs> So the question was directed at Jesus. So faith is a gift. So let me give you a couple more scriptures to back that up. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, But to all who believed in him, Jesus, and accepted him, speaking of Jesus, he gave them the right to become the children of God. Let me jump over to Ephesians where it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit from this. It is a gift from God. Faith is a gift. Simple fact, okay? If you believe that Jesus is the answer in your life, you have faith. You have it. You don't actually need more, okay? We'll talk about what you need in a minute. But the fact is, you have faith in you. It's a faith that came from God, and it was a gift given to you. Your problem is not your faith. If you got a nice, a good quality rifle, and you went out to the range, guys, and you couldn't hit the target... Would you blame the rifle? Well, we probably would. Yeah. <laughs> is it, it, but I'm saying, the, the, the qualifier is it's a good rifle, okay? If you have a good rifle and you can't hit the target, the problem's not the rifle. The problem is the guy trying to shoot at the target, okay? If you have a good map, it's a good map. We know it's a reliable map, but you don't know where you are. The problem isn't the map. The problem is the person reading the map, 
Okay? You have a good faith. If it's not working for you, the problem isn't the faith. The problem is the person who doesn't understand the faith they have been given. Okay? It's not a criticism. It's not something to cut you low. It's a reality that if I wake up to a reality, I can live a truth rather than a deception. Okay? And so faith is a gift that comes from God. It's a good faith, and, and, and he gives to us. And I like to think of faith kind of like a seed or maybe a sapling God puts in your life. A seed contains everything for a full-grown tree, right, or whatever it is. And so God gives us that, that faith that we grow into. So faith is a gift. It's a gift that depends on God's power. This is key to understand. Faith does not depend upon your power. The, ob- the, the, the amount of faith is irrelevant. Jesus said if you have faith as a mustard seed. He's saying it, very, it doesn't matter how big the faith is. What matters is the object of the faith. The object of your faith is what matters. And so we move into this thing that God, this faith depends on God. And so we need to make sure we're trusting him. And not using faith as a mask to hide that we're really trusting us. Because that's kind of what we do. The phone's ringing. A lot of times we talk about faith and we have, we've figured out this churchy lingo thing. But we're really trying to live in our own strength. We quote that verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And our emphasis is on I, not the Christ. Okay? We need, we need to realize that faith, the object of our faith matters. So if your faith is in you, your faith is warped. You have the faith in the wrong place. You don't actually have faith, actually. Not a biblical faith. If your faith is in people. Okay, I'm going to rant just a second because I have pet peeves just like you guys do. And one of my pet peeves is, is a problem, is a sin that's also in my life, and it's putting people on pedestals. I really wish the church in the West today would realize we need to stop putting men and women on pedestals so Satan can knock them off and humiliate our faith. We need to realize that every body of Christ has everything it needs to reach its community and even the world within it. There are teachers in the body who are just as gifted as the ones who got put on a pedestal. And there are servants in the body and leaders in the body and organizers in the body. My point, the re- how that's relevant to this message is this. We like to put our faith in people. People are going to let you down. I'm not being cynical. We're just humans. We need healing. We all need restoration. None of us is above anybody else. Ground is level at the foot of the cross, man. And we've got to put our trust in Jesus. If I trust Jesus, I can love people. If I trust people... I'm going to have a hard time loving people. Okay? So faith has to be in a God. It comes from Him. It's a gift from Him. Faith is a gift. Faith is an, a belief that inhabits our thoughts. Faith is a belief that inhabits our thoughts. What do I mean? Well, Jesus says to the disciples, He says, when you obey me. The whole point of everything He says points at Him. They ask Him. He's the one with the information. He's the one with the source of faith. He's the one who has great faith. 
And then when he talks to them, he talks about obeying him and listening to him. He's the center of this whole conversation. This discussion of faith is revolving around Jesus Christ. And so he says, when you obey me, he's anchoring faith in what they think about Jesus. So faith is one of those things that inhabits our thoughts. And the first kinds of thoughts that we need to have and fill our life are thoughts about Jesus Christ. The Bible says this in Colossians, one of my favorite verses. Paul writes, let your roots grow down into him. Into who? Into Jesus. That's who this chapter is about, the whole book of Colossians. And let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. So here, Paul presents this way of life that's anchored in our belief of Jesus. So faith is a belief that inhabits our thoughts, our thoughts about Jesus Christ. It's also about our thoughts about obedience. Now, we don't like the sound of that word. We like to be king of our own domain. I get it. Me too. But faith is about obeying Jesus Christ. And so let me ask you a question that may sound really stupid at this point in the message, but I'm not beyond a stupid question, right? Do you ever think about obeying Jesus? What that would look like in your life? Man, I, I, love, I love reading the Bible, and I hate it. You know why? Because I never measure up. Praise the Lord, Jesus does. Amen. That's why I can do all things through Christ. But I can never measure up. And so, what does it mean to obey Christ? What kind of things need to be in our lives? I'm glad you're at church today. Thanks for coming. I think going to church is really important. In fact, a lot of folks, and, and I was one of them at one point, I could probably ask you to raise hands who in this room has gotten hurt in church, and there are probably a few hands go up. But this is kind of the thing I'm, I'm saying in love. Not, not, I don't try to be brutal with anybody, but you know, a lot of folks have a problem with Jesus' bride today. But you can't love Jesus. You can't say you love Jesus and despise the bride, man. Okay? This is, this, is an, this is an important matter. And so, when we think about obedience, where is the family of God on your priority level? Where's reading the Bible and finding out what God thinks? That's why the Bible's so important, by the way. It's filled with the way and the thoughts of God. A lot of folks like to talk about God, say they believe in God, but have no idea what God is like. That's why you should read the Bible, because as you read the Bible, and you begin to let the Bible penetrate you, you'll start to realize what God is like. And as we realize what God is like, we realize that we can trust Him, and, and we can live for Him. So we grow in this issue of obedience. And what if I did that? What if I put church way up there on the priority list? What if I, I put the family of God up there? What if I put Bible reading up there? What if I put worship up there? What if the problem is not that we need God to show up? What if the problem is, is that we need to wake up? Does that make sense? I mean, seriously, tell me one place where God is not. He's everywhere. And so, I know I've been in churches and in events where I'm like, I just don't feel like God is here. 
was that God's problem or my problem? I mean, was there like, God said, no, I don't think I'm showing up today. <laughs> Worship is so critical to your faith. I'll tell you this because we need to touch people and be parents and run businesses and all the things that we need to do in life. But what we need more as we do that is we need God to, to work through us in all those places. I don't know if you've realized this or not, but my, our words, have you, have you ever tried to help someone, you, you truthed them? I'm going to tell you the truth in love. And then what came next wasn't very loving at all. You ever done that with your kids, people you know, and it didn't change a thing? And we walked away justified, like, I told them. I told them. They should have fixed it. If you want to see people change in your life, stop trying to change people and get in the presence of God. Let the presence of God so inhabit you that he changes people. Amen? That, there's, that's, by the way, God doesn't manipulate people. Did you know that? God is not a manipulator. God is just straight up, tells you how it is. You make a choice. Uh, and so a lot of times that's exactly what we're asking God to do, but that's a sermon for another time. And so I'll move on. Then we'll get into this thorny part of the verse. When you obey me. So we think about obedience. Then there's that line. We are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. Boy, that stings. Especially today, it's Sunday. We dressed up, came to church. We're good today. <laughs> What's Jesus saying here? Well, let me make a point real clear. What he's saying here is this. Faith isn't about you. That's what he's saying. Nice and simple. This ain't about you. Living a life of faith isn't about you getting what you want. In this life, it isn't about your children acting the way you want them to act, or your spouse finally straightening up, or your boss finally get, you know, treating you like he should. This is not what's going on here. This is not what's at stake. Now, all of that stuff, those things could change. You bring the presence of God into a situation through you when you're right and you're humble before the Lord. Yes, he can change all those things. But that's not how we come at faith. We come at faith like, God, fix my problem this way in my timing. Do it. And then God's like, <laughs> any of you guys ever had a two-year-old? <laughs> want it, and I want it now. You know what this is about? This is about grace. Because, guys, some days you're like, but I, I feel worthy today. But you're not. And some days you're like, but I feel so unworthy today. And you are. <laughs> it doesn't matter the day. The situation's the same in regard to your condition. And it's also the same in regard to the Savior who filled that unworthiness with his worth. Amen? Amen. This is grace. So don't freak out when you read these kind of texts and Jesus sounds hard. Jesus is tough, man. You don't go through the cross without being really tough. All right? But don't freak out. Realize, one, it ain't about me. It's about him. 
And two, it's always grace. It's never about my worth. It's never about my worth. In fact, that's why some of you are so tired and so stressed out today, you're still trying to get God's approval. And that will never happen. Jesus got God's approval, and God put Jesus in you. Shazam, you're approved. All right? You like Shazam? I hope that becomes a thing. We need ordinary faith, ordinary faith shirts. Ordinary faith, Shazam! Anybody remember Gomer Pyle? All right, okay, all right, good deal. Some of those sanctified folks in the room, yeah. And lastly, on this issue about what faith is, faith is a belief. It's a gift. It's a belief that inhabits our thoughts. But then the thought that, I mean, then the belief that inhabits our thoughts always becomes an action. Faith is action. It's a verb in that sense. And so it's it's an action that, that grabs our bodies. And so Jesus tips into that when you obey me. So let me give you some thoughts on this. Hebrews, real quick. Uh, Hebrews 11, you don't have to turn there, but I just, just real quick, let me read these. It was by faith, it was by faith that Noah built a big boat. It was by faith that Abraham uh, left when God called him. It was by faith that Sarah was able to have a child. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him. It was by faith that Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched. I just want you to see the pattern. It was by faith they did something. It was by faith they did something. So in your mind, you're probably thinking faith is just something you believe, but it's not. Faith is something you believe so deeply that you do something. Faith is two parts. It's internal and it's external. So let me ask you a question. I don't know how many days, years, months, hours, weeks you have in this life, but when you're done, what's your Hebrews 11 verse going to say? By faith, Tucker did what? By faith, Michael did what? You see what I'm saying? By faith. Because the truth is, we don't live our lives on faith. We live our lives on what we can do. We don't spend our time saying, Father, I need God power. We spend our time saying, God, how do I fix this? How do I figure this out? That is not faith. Amen. It hurts, but yes, amen. Okay? It's not faith. Faith believes, faith acts. What's faith? It's a gift, an inner belief, and an external action. How do I strengthen it? How do I grow in my faith? Ordinary faith. This is what we're about, man. Faith's got to work on Monday just like it does on Sunday. Faith's got to be practical, not just theological. It's got to be more than what I think. It's got to be what I do. So how do I live that out? How does faith become, how do I grow strong in it? First, let's encourage faith in our life. How do I encourage faith? I hate to sound like a broken record, but that's okay. I'm pretty good at being a broken record. Ask my kids. <clears throat> clean your room, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room. What's that smell? What's that smell? What's that smell? <laughs> You're laughing, but it's not funny. Study his word. Why should I, why should you, why should we read the Bible? I already said earlier, we need to learn what God thinks. We need to give God ideas in our heads so they can germinate, so God can bring them back to us when we need them and when he wants to speak them to us. So the word of God says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing 
That is hearing the good news about Christ. And I've got to make an emphasis here. This is really important. Yes, I encourage you to read your Bibles, but this verse does not say faith comes by reading your Bible. Okay? There's different things. So if you walk out of here today and say, I'm going to read five chapters of my Bible every day so I, my faith will grow, that would actually be the wrong thing to do. Why would that be the wrong thing to do? Well, it would probably be better than not reading your Bible at all. But what you're actually doing when you do that is you're trying to get approval with God so your faith will grow. That's not, you have God's approval. You don't need God's approval. You need to get to know God. You need to get to know him, okay? And so that's what studying your Bible's about. It's about getting to know your Father and about getting to know the Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the King of kings, our Master and Commander. It's about getting to know the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us and is like this direct line between Father and your heart. And in this life, God is so good and he wants to work in your life. So we need that fresh word from God every day. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I need that daily. So I'm going to encourage you, get in the Bible. I, I would rather you read one verse and think about it, stew on it, try and memorize it, share it with somebody, than to read 10 chapters in a day, okay? Just get in a place where you're like, God, I need to hear from you. That's where we need to be. Okay, so study the Bible, think about the Bible. And then Romans 1.12 says this, Paul wrote it to the church at Rome, he said, when we get together, hear this, this is so good, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. Get in the Word and get with some people. Get in the Word and get with some people. I get it, we're in Wyoming. We cowboy up. We do things on our own. Our faith is very private and intimate to us. So I just want to lovingly say, get over yourself. Man, we need each other. I need to hear, I, I don't care if you've been, if you're new, I don't, in fact, I, even if you're not a believer yet and you're trying to find God, I want to hear what God's saying to you, your questions about God. I learned so much from the guy who's fresh off the presses, so to speak, in the kingdom, has a totally different perspective than I do. I mean, I've been saved since I was six years old. That's really young to get saved, and I was, I'm, and that was a long time ago. <laughs> I just realized how old I was. I felt tired for a second. <laughs> I want to hear those kind of things. So we need to encourage each other, spend time together, pour into each other. So get in the Word. Too. Also, ask for more faith, just like the disciples did. Just, Lord, increase my faith. Make it stronger. But here's the thing. Here's what, what we normally do is we ask God for more faith. We're like, okay, God, I need more faith. I need it right now. <laughs> Not feeling it. God is not a microwave. <laughs> Micro God, boom, one minute and you believe. That's not how this works. God is like in heaven and here, he's everywhere, but he's eternal. So like he doesn't wear a watch, that's what that means, okay? He doesn't care what time it is. He does everything at the right time, but that's very seldom working according to your calendar, okay? You can trust God. That is not to say he will not freak you out from time to time. Amen? Pastor Michael, amen? Pastor Steve, amen? He will scare you. Because life with God is like a roller coaster, and you think it's coming off the rails, 
And then it does come off the rails and he supernaturally holds you up and so you don't die. <laughs> like, I don't think God works that way. He does. So ask God for faith and then wait for him to bring it up in your life. And then stir it up. I love how that word that Paul gave to Timothy. Stir up the gift of God that's within you. What do I mean by that? How many of you guys, God has already done some cool stuff in your life? Just God's already done some cool stuff in my life, all right? All right, you can put them down, all right? Celebrate that, man. Instead of just worrying about today, man, just like get up in the morning and you're like, God, I need this, I need this. Instead of starting there, back up and go, God, thank you for getting me through yesterday. I thought I was going to murder someone yesterday, Lord, but you <laughs> kept me out of prison. Hallelujah. It's funny, but it's true, right? <laughs> you're like, so... Man, just celebrate the good things that God's done. And let me ask you this question. Do you enjoy your faith? I think that's a really important question. The Bible tells us in Psalms to delight, to delight in the Lord. We're trying to serve God. We're desperate for God. We're all these things for God in our life. And God's in heaven going, I just want you to delight in me. I want to spend time with you and enjoy you, and I want you to enjoy me, and, and I, I just, I want you. I've done everything for you. That's what Father's heart is toward you, okay? He's crazy about you. And so why can't we learn to delight in that? Man, just, I think, I think this is the key. I think this is something God's revealing for the future for us. We have to learn to be loved by our Father. I think we stink at that. I think we're filling our lives with doing for the Father because we feel like that older brother. But I, in, in Luke 15, and I'm sorry, I don't have time to develop that, but I, I just think sometimes we feel like we're trying to get to a place in our life where God accepts us. And God wants us to, to come and receive acceptance, and then he will change all the things that are wrong out of acceptance rather than toward acceptance. We live from victory, not toward victory. We've got it upside down, and that's what's messing with us. So I just want you to, to realize we can learn to delight in Jesus Christ, so that we strengthen our faith through those, those kinds of ideas. Then we need to establish our faith. God says this in 2 Corinthians 1.20. For all God's promises have been filled in Christ with a resounding yes, and through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. It's God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us. Let me give that to you out of the ESV. It is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us. So, Excuse me, we're established in our, in our faith as we learn to live in actual faith. And what does that mean? What does it mean to walk in the Spirit, to live by faith? Because there's a big difference between discipleship and religion. Religion is like, I, I obey the rules, I get what I want. That's kind of how it works. And the sad thing is God can't be manipulated, so that doesn't actually work. Discipleship is a life lived in response to God. That's what Jesus was trying to teach the disciples. Jesus was, hey, Peter, let's walk on the water. Jesus gave Peter an option to respond in faith. The faith, the faith was there right before him. It was Jesus. He gives him an opportunity. Paul, I want you to take me to the Gentile world. You staunch, racist Pharisee, I want you, who hates everyone who's not Jewish, to go and win everyone who's not Jewish to Jesus. I want you to do that. See? Crazy, huh? 
That's what a life of faith is. It's just living in response to the Father. Um, it's a life lived that's kind of messy. And I think this is important, and I'm just like, I don't even know, am I out of time? Oh, yeah, it's 2.30, no problem. i got plenty of time. It, it's, it's, okay, so of all the things in creation that walk, the worst walkers are human beings. Most animals are born, and they're walking, and some instantly, some in minutes, they're walking. But a baby's born, human baby, it's a year. Some of them a little shorter, some a little longer, before they learn to walk. Part of that's because scientifically it's actually a miracle that we can stand up, but that's another issue. I think it's because God's trying to teach us a lesson from the beginning of what it means to walk in faith. What does that mean? What am I trying to say? It's okay. It's okay. I'm about to give you permission. Listen up. It's okay for your walk of faith to be messy. It doesn't have to look like mine. It doesn't have to sound like mine. Mine doesn't have to sound like yours. It's okay if you get up, take a couple steps, and wipe out. It's, we should celebrate the couple steps rather than beat ourselves up over the wipeout. Okay? Because that's what the Father's doing. And so we need to learn that the way we establish our faith is we start stepping out into it. And as we step out into it, we learn how important it is. We, then we don't compromise. And what, that's, what I simply mean by not compromising is this. God is right. Everything else is wrong. What God says is true. It doesn't matter what my circumstances say. It doesn't matter what my circumstances or the world say about God. It matters that I believe God. That's what faith is. Abraham was a dad 25 years before he had his first child. David was a king long before they ever put a crown on his head. They were, Abraham was a dad the second God said, you're a dad. And David was a king the second God said, you're a king. And God says about you, you're holy, blameless, without a single fault. You're kings and queens, you're priests, you're a holy nation, you're a chosen generation, you're sons of God. That's the stuff God says about you. That's who you really are. Amen? Amen. I'd get excited. I mean, I would like, woo, yeah. I thought I was a loser. God says I'm not. Woohoo, right? All right. Establish your faith, and lastly, Stretch your faith. <laughs> this is the hard part. I want to share this passage with you, and this is going to get exciting, I hope. If not, I'll just keep going until it does. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, pause, take a breath. This is not as easy as that first text. <laughs> when troubles of any kind come your way, pause again, pause again, pause again. Anybody got some troubles? Let's go ahead. You got any troubles? No, that's it. About 15 troubles in the house. <laughs> Praise the Lord, man. God's been working. You guys are good to go. I'll just stop. Lord, thank you for the day. I'm just kidding. Let me just finish up. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity to whine to your closest friend. Write <laughs> <laughs> your congressman. Get it on Facebook. This is such a hard day. Don't ask. <laughs> we love you, man. We know you have hard days, so don't, don't feel guilt. Don't feel guilt. When it's considered an opportunity for great joy. 
For you know, for you know, it's an opportunity for great joy. Great joy, right. Okay, why? For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. You ever let it go? Let it grow. Now that's stuck in your head. You're like, I do not like him today. Anyway, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Oh, man. Guys, I know what it's like to have problems. I've had one or two. And God says, I mean, God could have prevented the problem in his power. Could have. But in his wisdom, he knew that allowing this problem through was going to do something in you that was going to finish you, that was going to complete you, that was going to bring you to a place where you didn't need anything else. You didn't need another Netflix binge. You didn't need another uh, addict, jump into some kind of addiction. You didn't need another complaining, whining session. He knew that's what it would do, and so we have to learn to rejoice. When a trouble comes, it generally creates a space in our life is what happens, right? You know, you thought you were going to get the job, and it didn't come through. So there's a big hole where you thought the new job was going. The relationship fell apart. You thought there was this thing that was going to carry you forward, and all of a sudden, bam, there's a big hole, and I'm grieving because it's, there's nothing there anymore. And all these trials come, and they create spaces in our life. Here's where we go wrong. We fill those spaces with escape, with worry, with anxiety. We fill those spaces with us. We turn inward. We look at ourselves, and we go, what am I going to do? How am I going to fix this? Is that faith? No, that's not faith, and we know it, and we know it even when we're in it, and I'm not criticizing you for being there. Just don't stay there. Why did God give you a space? What do you think he wants you to fill it with? I don't just think, well, I, I don't know. I'd lost what I needed. Was that really what you needed? I mean, was it the job you needed? Was it the relationship you needed? Was it the money that you needed? Or was it what you thought you needed? Do you trust God or do you trust His provision? There is a very key line there. He's creating a space for Him. So instead of turning to all those problems and trying to figure them out, because that's me, man, that's me. I'm just, I'm right here, honest, transparent. That's, I gotta figure this out. And I, now I just want to kind of smack myself and see if I can reset me. You ever want to? You know how Windows computers, you have to reboot them all the time? Don't you wish you could reboot you? Like throw yourself down the steps and you come up, ah. Doesn't work that way. I I tried. Not what you think. Create a space. God has given you a space for him to fill. So let him. I just lost the job, Father. I just lost the opportunity, whatever it is. Father, I know right now you want to fill this with who you are, and I know your love, actually. And so, Father, help me receive some love. Let me know what it's like to be loved. Lord, I know that in your presence is fullness of joy and that you are joy and that you have an amazing sense of humor because you created me. (laughs) You're a funny God. And so you want to fill this space with joy. I I don't know how to have joy because I lost and am grieving that which I wanted, and now I realize that you are giving me a space to fill with what I actually 
need, which is you. This is how your faith grows. You get a problem. Wouldn't it be cool if we could get to a place? And I know it's, it's hard to get here. Somebody turned me off there. That's why I was, no problem. And they all said, amen, out of here. Wouldn't it be great if we could get to a place in our life where that problem would come? I could call up my friend, Pastor Michael, or Pastor Steve over here, Brother Allen. Call him, man, I just got a problem. Woo-hoo! God's creating a space that he wants to fill in my life, man. I'm just, I'm not even going to look at it yet. I'm just going to manifest around it. Oh, man, I got a problem. You'd be sitting home going, I wish I had a problem. I think God loves Pastor Michael more than me. I don't have any problems right now. Can I come over and, and celebrate with you your problem? Well, come on, man. This one's big enough for all of us. I think, I think laughter is one of the sweetest sounds of worship, I'll be honest with you. I really do. And I think it's funny because we... Sometimes the truth sinks in on us a little bit and we realize there's so much more going on in this problem. This is how our faith grows. When we step into these problems and God stretches us. And, he, and, he, and also when we step out and risk. I, I, will, I, I cannot, in fact, I'm, next year I'm thinking about just teaching a series on all the, these Bible stories that have wrecked my life. Just I don't know what I'll call it yet, because Bible stories that wrecked my life sounds like a weird title, but, <laughs> but one of them is, is just that Peter walking on water, and, and it's like, as I was writing this sermon, it's like God said, you know, you know, out there in your future, Michael, is a dinghy and a storm and a, storm and a radical walk with Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, and that's your life. Is tomorrow going to be easy? Ah, probably not. The only easy day was yesterday, right, Marines? And, and, and so... Whatever tomorrow brings, easy, hard, whatever. Father's in it. And if a void, a grief, a problem comes, he wants to fill it. That's what the life of faith is. You want to grow in your faith? I hope that helps you wrap your head around it. Put some skin on what faith is. Because this is real. This is not some imagined Hollywood thing that makes a great movie. This is real Monday morning stuff that makes sense tomorrow when you walk in the door and everything's hit the fan. Let's pray. Father, I love how you do faith. I love how you give it. I love how you love us. Lord, I I know there's folks in the room struggling with faith. In fact, today they maybe, maybe never even considered what faith actually was or how practical faith was. There's someone in this room that's got a problem that's got them laid low. And today they got a new look, a new perspective of how a problem can be a cause for joy. It doesn't mean it's easy to go have joy in the face of a problem. It just means that now they realize there's more than one way to look at a problem. They realize that a lot of times God gives us the greatest opportunity of our lives wrapped in a problem. Father, there are those out there who don't feel like their faith is strong and they feel like they need to get your approval in some way. Would you love on them, Father, just right now? I know heaven's like pouring on this place. Just love on them. Let them know 
you got the approval part covered. Father, we come to you. We give you this. Help us to worship now and connect with your presence. I pray, Lord, for anyone here that needs prayer ministry, that they'll get it. There'll be a prayer room off to my right. That they will let someone bring Father's love and presence to them. They won't leave this place in the pain they came in. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.